Chapter 34 of Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Sheeler. Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them by Herward Carrington. Chapter 34 The Ethics of Spiritualism As explained at the beginning of this book of instruction, spiritualism is not only a scientific question, but it is also a philosophical and a religious question. It is approachable from the point of view of phenomena, also that of theology and ethics. The student who has followed the work thus far has doubtless progressed to some extent in the understanding, if not in the control, of psychic phenomena, and fields of knowledge have been opened up before him, of which he had previously been more or less unaware. But all this would not only be unavailing, but harmful, if spiritualism were not ethically and spiritually right, as well as phenomenally true. It is no good developing something which leads one ultimately only into a mire of harmful results and a false philosophy. If spiritualism cannot be justified from the religious and ethical standpoint, it should be let entirely alone, by all, save the few, scrupulously scientific investigators who approach the subject from that point of view and not as a belief. It is very important, therefore, for the spiritualist to have his belief founded in correct ethical principles. For, as I have before pointed out, the reproach has been raised against spiritualists that they are everything but spiritual. Unfortunately, there are many of this type, but they are doubtless in the minority. And the majority of spiritualists wish to see their faiths grounded on firm ethical principles. Is it right to investigate psychic phenomena? Various questions arise in this connection. The objection to spiritualism may first of all be raised that such things are God's secrets, which he keeps to himself. What is the use of seeking? You will find nothing. But to this, Monsignor Camille Flammarion replies rightly, there always have been people who liked ignorance better than knowledge. By this kind of reasoning, had man acted upon it, nothing would ever have been known of this world. It is the mode of reasoning adopted by those who do not care to think for themselves and who confide to directors, so-called, the charge of controlling their consciences. If these phenomena really exist, they must be part of the universe and subject to natural law for otherwise they could not exist at all. 
There is no such thing as the supernatural. All is natural, even if it be the communication of spirits. It may be unusual or uncommon. And because of this, we call these phenomena supernormal. That is beyond the ordinary normal experience of mankind, but they are not and cannot be supernatural. Concerning fraud and error. Again, the objection may be raised that these phenomena foster superstition, that this is based upon the belief that the phenomena are necessarily untrue. Once the reality of the facts is established, there is no superstition connected with it. It becomes merely a question of scientific evidence. Again, the objection has been raised against spiritualism on the ground that it encourages fraud and charlatanism. To some extent, this is true, but other cults have suffered in the same way, and all sincere spiritualists are the first to expose falsity and fraud when they meet it. There are spiritualists, it is true, who endeavor to shelter fraudulent mediums and pretend that this fraud does not exist. Such a method is a great mistake and only tends to degrade and lower spiritualism as a religious belief in the eyes of the public. Truth is mighty and shall prevail, and truth should above all else be the watchword of the true spiritualist. Is it healthy and normal? Then there is the objection that spiritualistic practices encourage morbid and abnormal states and conditions and help to induce insanity. Again, there is some excuse for this argument, but as so often pointed out, it is the conscious or unconscious abuse of psychic and mediumistic power rather than its use, which is so dangerous and detrimental. In the initial experimental stages of spiritualism, some harm has doubtless resulted to some experimenters, but this is only a stronger reason for urging us to discover and rightly understand the laws and conditions under which psychic phenomena and spirit communication may operate. When these are once understood, they are thereby rendered safe, and thenceforward there is no reason why spiritualistic practices should be unsafe, save for those who neglect its well-ascertained laws. Again, it has been urged that it is wrong to communicate with spirits of the departed for the reason that such communication is not natural, and that by doing so we interfere with the progression and spiritual development of those who have passed over. But the reply to this is twofold. In the first place, the many cases of spirit return which are recorded prove that these phenomena are far more common than is usually supposed, 
And for this reason, it is not so exceptional a thing, but almost a common occurrence. It partakes more of the nature of natural law than of the experimental or miraculous event. If such is the case, it can hardly be detrimental or unnatural, since none of nature's laws are unnatural. Does spirit communication retard progression? Again, there is no reason to suppose that communication retards the spiritual progress of those who have died. On the contrary, we might suppose that in many cases, at least, such communication would certainly help the spirits. And in many cases, as we know, they have repeatedly come back for the express purpose of asking the living to carry out some mission for them which weighed upon their minds. And they have stated that they could get no rest or comfort until this mission has been fulfilled. There are many cases, again, as we know, wherein the returning spirits have requested help and the prayers of the living to assist them in their progress, and many spiritualists have devoted their lives to this work, namely assisting earthbound spirits and helping them in their natural spiritual progress. Many spirits have returned to impart certain information or to give counsel, warning, or advice to friends and relatives of theirs still living. And we cannot but believe that they are far happier in doing so than if they were obliged to stand by and see some unhappiness, accident, or catastrophe overtake their loved ones on earth, while they themselves were obliged to remain inactive. Were they still alive, they would like to feel that they had prevented such a catastrophe, and it is only natural to suppose that they continue to live in this way and continue to take an interest in their loved ones after they have passed over. In this way, spiritual communication becomes a natural and beautiful belief. Should the dead know our sorrows? This brings us to another important question from the ethical point of view, and this is that the so-called dead are in constant sympathetic communication with those still living, and that they, after they have died, have a knowledge of our lives, our trials, and our tribulations. Many religious persons contend that this is a very unethical belief and that they should know nothing of those on this earth after once they have died. Yet, this is surely contrary to all human sympathy and experience. A mother wrapped up in the interests of her child would surely prefer to remain near it and watch over, guard and guide it, if possible, for a few years, rather than to desert it wholly and be totally ignorant of its life and progress. Yet, this is what Orthodox religion contends they should do. Spiritualism is far more ethical in this respect than the ordinary religious teachings, since it tells us that constant sympathetic rapport exists between this world and the next, 
and that there is no abrupt severing of the ties of human sympathy and love at the moment of death. This surely is a comforting thought for the bereaved. The Ethical Teachings of Spiritualism The religious teachings of spiritualism are otherwise far more ethical than those of any other religion. Instead of a world devoted to selfish personal progression, subject to the changeable whims of an external deity, we have in the teachings of spiritualism a perfectly consistent and scientifically founded religious faith, quite in accordance with the doctrine of evolution. All progress depends upon personal development. As Dr. Alfred Russell Wallace says in his Miracles of Modern Spiritualism, the hypothesis of spiritualism not only accounts for all the facts and is the only one that does so, but it is further remarkable as being associated with a theory of a future state of existence, which is the only one yet given to the world that can at all commend itself to the modern philosophical mind. The main doctrines of this religion are that after death, man's spirit survives in an ethereal body, gifted with new powers, but mentally and morally the same individual as when clothed in flesh. That he commences from that moment a course of apparently endless progression which is rapid just in proportion as his mental and moral faculties were active while on earth. That his comparative happiness or misery will depend entirely on himself and that just in proportion as his higher human faculties have taken part in all his pleasures here, will he find himself contented and happy in a state of existence in which they will have the same exercise, while he who has depended more on the body than on the mind for his pleasures will, when that body is no more, feel a grievous want and must slowly and painfully develop his intellectual and moral nature till its exercise shall become easy and pleasurable. Neither punishments nor rewards are meted out by an external power, but each one's condition is the natural and inevitable sequence of his condition here. He starts again from the level of moral and intellectual development to which he has raised himself while on earth. Should mediums accept money? One other point remains to be considered. It is this, that mediums accept money for their services, and inasmuch as this is a spiritual gift, it is wrong. Yet, this is common to all other religions. Do not ministers of all other religions receive compensation in some form or other for their services? As long as mediums are living in this material world, they are obliged to meet the costs of living like all other human beings, no matter how spiritual their work or they themselves may be. 
if mediums possess genuine power, it is only natural, in a sense, that they should utilize it and turn it to account, and it is certainly true that by doing so, they help their fellow men and help those who come to them as much or more than men in any other walk in life. This being so, it can hardly be said that any aspect of spiritualism is in itself unethical. It is, on the contrary, the most sensible, rational, and ethical religion in the world. End of chapter 34. Recorded by Cynthia Sheeler. Website, CynthiaSheeler.com. I can voice dot com.